This is their new hoax. But, you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and, of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. Joining me on the podcast this week is Tony Hisimovich. Tony is a nurse practitioner in the community looking after chronic acute post-acute care in southwestern Sydney. His COVID role is the clinical lead in COVID response for his district. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining us. No problems, all good. Thank you. Um, so Tony, tell us a bit about this this new role that, that you've uh, undertaken during COVID. Well, what we did with COVID, I'm personally acting as a, as a, a clinical lead for the COVID response for our district, um, working with a group of nurses. Uh, what our main plan is that we, we keep a bit of a view on all the, all the positive patients at home with a view to keeping, keeping them at home more than trying to send them in a hospital if we can. Mm-hmm. So we, myself, with all the, the nurses, we regularly call the people daily. We have a set of symptoms that we, we look at and assess how they're going in that regard. Um, we also then also add if they need food or medications or anything like welfare type aspects. We've got connections if we need to refer on to counselling or psychology, anything like that. We've got food packages we can organise for the people if we need to. Uh, on account, if someone does get unwell, one of us will go out and review the person and talk with the respiratory physicians at the hospital whether our next plan is or not, or with the person's GPs. We also then include, we go out and do blood tests if required, re-COVID sort of things, and also swabs, uh, COVID swabs to either clear people or, or see if they're still positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So you're really in the thick of it. I, I mean, last week we spoke to someone with an intimate knowledge of the ICU. They worked in ICU, so they were working when they when they saw COVID patients, they were at their worst and, and I guess they moved on. But most yep. COVID patients, I would imagine, would be seen by a team like yours because maybe someone's got smaller symptoms or asymptomatic or, you know, they're going to be at home um, recuperating. So, you know, talk to us a bit about the average symptoms that you'll see and, and what kind of treatment that you give. Okay, well, we, we have a vast array of the symptoms. The, the general symptoms we look for range from, you know, a cough to a temperature and shortness of breath is what we assess and things like that. Uh, headaches, uh, smell is a big one we look at. Uh, they lose the sense of smell and taste. That's one of the symptoms keeps them there. But when we call them, we've arranged from, we've rung up and talked to people who are out there mowing the lawn actively to people who are breathing very heavily on the phone when we talk to them mm. and everything in between. Uh, a big array with no symptoms, some only have a cough. Some will be mowing the lawn when we actually ring and talk to them, yet they're COVID positive. Yeah. Um, as you said, the ICU, obviously, they're the ones that are, are, are pretty bad. And Tatra, we, we haven't had need to send many in the hospital at all this, mm. this, this wave. So, so how does it work um, as in your first touch point? So someone goes to a drive-thru or goes wherever, is COVID positive, and I'm guessing their details are, are taken or, you know, and they get sent a, a message or whatever way it works, then w- yeah. how long after before you get to them? 
Well, so we work very closely with, the, with our public health unit within Sydney South West. So when, as soon as someone's confirmed positive, they have the test, the next day that the swab comes through as positive, public health, uh, which is not our area, they, they deal directly initially with them. Uh, straight after they're positive, the swabs at that day, uh, they do the general tracing. And once they're, they're assessed and they refer to us via our triple I service, and we'll ring them that day for our initial assessment. And then we'll ring them each day following that whilst they're in it, whilst they're still recovering as a COVID. We generally keep them so that 10 days is, is the, the the minimum isolation period that we'll keep a positive patient for. Um, then they need to be symptom free for at least 72 hours before they actually clear and discharge with us in conjunction with the public health unit. Um, so by the sounds of it, then you're not often and which I, I guess is the is smart because of how infectious this virus is you're not often going face to face with many of these patients uh, it varies a lot we we, we we see a fair few of them face to face we go and might have to do a blood test on the serology for covid or we might be doing a, a clearing swab on their families so we could also be seeing people that are that are we were close contact and so they're not go out so they have a 14 day isolation period people who are not positive yet but are close contact say the husband of, of a positive wife so we'll see them initially after their first swab we'll do a swab on maybe day two and then we'll do a clearing swab again on day day 12 to clear them uh, but touch wood generally most of COVID we don't see face to face you're right yeah in that as in unwellness mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm wondering at its height, you know, New South Wales, knock on wood, comparatively is doing pretty well now, but how many patients would you have on your roster at, at its worst? Or, you know, how many do you have well, on, on your roster we, at the minute? We've, we've, we've had a total, this this way, we've had a total of about 260 on our books. Obviously not the one time. Um, the first wave, we probably we, we probably had nearly, same sort of, bit less in total numbers, but it was a more of a quicker peak. So we had more on at one time. So we had maybe eight nurses in that first wave calling, each calling probably about 10 to 12 patients each day for a period of time. So that's over 100 patients we had at our worst at one time. And then we clear them and we get a few more come on and we clear and eventually we clear them all. This time, we, we've probably, currently we've got 20-something active cases we're ringing mm. uh, out of a total of two, 260 that we've had over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And, and in those um, instances where you do go into the home, um, how you know people coming into the hospital there's always risk but people coming to the, to the hospital you guys as nurses can control because you know you're on your home turf there's a lot of things you can control but i suppose you know going into someone's house i'm assuming you're wearing the full hazmat gear um yeah. that must be a bit more difficult for you guys it is our, our whole apart from covid our whole role is seeing people at home and then, yeah it's, yeah the, you're the, the uncontrollable we we can't dictate how people live in the home. We're in the hospital, we say, okay, you're going to lay in bed, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We get to some homes and, you know, very hard to go into. There's, there's risks for, for us, for nurses, with pets, with <laughs> with other things and hoarding and uncleanliness to do clean procedures, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and you never know what, what you're going to expect when you come into someone's house. We have processes to try to overcome those things. But, yeah, the, 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 the uncertainty is the big thing. 90% no issues, but there's always that, that small minority where you never know what you come into especially some of, of the areas that you go into. Well, and, and again, speaking to um, the nurse last week on our episode, um, an ICU nurse, um, there's always the instance where tensions are high, um, families are worried and strained, and uh, there's, there's always the odd security incident. And I would imagine that is kind of a higher risk in, in homes. 
Exactly, yeah, it is. We we and we have certain procedures that yeah we need to try to cover, but you can't go for all. You're right. When you walk, you walk into places where you know there's drug and alcohol histories, or there's mental health histories, there's violent mm-hmm. issues, the whole sort of gamut. Yeah, and you're trying to you you do an initial phone call to try to assess it beforehand, but it's never 100 percent. And you never you never know what you're going to walk into sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and ha- have you well, have you and your team come across that in the COVID um, area at the minute? COVID, no, we've had a, no, no the COVID-wise, we've been very good, I think, because, again, because our servants working together, and I think there's also a, the legalities, if someone's refined to the home isolation, we've got, we, we and we do tell them that they are, so that if we can't get in touch, we will be, we get the police to go and do a welfare check on them. Uh, so when we do do the initial assessment, we tell them that we'll be ringing you each day. Um, if we can't get you after a few times, we will get the police to come and do a, a welfare check. Mm-hmm. I make sure you're okay, and to ensure that you are isolated as you have to. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had too many with the, the odds on. We, we something probably we didn't add is we if people can't isolate, we've been involved in organising hotel rooms for people to get them out of the home. Right, right, yeah. So and- if they can't basically isolate at home, we'll arrange hotels for people. Yeah. And and is that then the same kind of hotels that people are quarantining coming back from overseas? Yes, exactly. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Same yeah. hotels, yeah. yeah. Most of us now in the Sydney area, we used to have, previously we used local ones, but for some reason that didn't happen. They didn't want to go down that path this time. Yeah. So most of us all in those, with, with Sydney, into their hotels, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What are some of the, the difficulties in treating these patients? Um, you know, at the minute, I know there's such a wide range of symptoms, like you say. The, the, I think probably the, the, the biggest difficulty, I think, is the anxiety that the people have. It's, it's an unknown still. And you, the, there's a lot of published things about people dying in Europe. and they, So people are very, very panicky and anxious about it. Um, and then the clearing, some feel really well. So they think, why am I stuck at home when I'm physically not unwell hmm. for that time period they need to be? Then once they, you've got the people who, have not, who haven't got support outside who need to rely on us to, to get them food for that 10 days or, or medications, right. things like that. Yeah, uh, and I'm wondering as well then, are you checking on those positive patients but with no symptoms? Um, like you said, you, there's a guy mowing his lawn or whatever, but do you have to give them their, their final test to see if they're free and clear or you know, how hard is it to kind of press on them that you are sick and you have to stay in for everyone's good? I mean, yeah, how is it dealing with the, the no symptoms? Yeah, most understand. Some don't really understand why they why they have why they still have no symptoms. Uh, previously, we were we were swabbing everyone, but now the rules change as in who gets cleared. So there's only certain people that have to get re-swabbed to get cleared, and they were people that were in in um, special sort of uh, occupations, i.e. nurses or childcare at one stage. And uh, now it's only sort of, yeah, so now it's only people who have had, who are sort of chronically unwell who might get swabbed to be cleared. So they're basically going on symptoms mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that might need swab, we get people who might have had a chronic cough pre-COVID and they still remain the cough after their time. So we would swab them and, and try to get two negative results so then we could clear them. Um, so it's a chronic cough pre-COVID, but it's one of their conditions, but being part of a symptom cough, we've been assessing cough each time we ring them. Mm-hmm. So then they would they would need the, the swabs to actually clear them so you are negative. And yes, that's a chronic cough you've got. Yeah. Um, I've written about the, the long COVID phenomena that we've seen throughout the rest of the world. We haven't heard about it too much here. Um, the British Medical Journal has just described it as not recovering for several weeks or months following the start of yeah. symptoms. Um, I've interviewed someone uh, in England who has been struggling with um, severe COVID. He, he was never hospitalised, but he's been struggling with it since March. Um, have you seen any of these sort of long COVID or, you know, what's the longest period you've seen someone struggle so far? 
the longest I think we've personally had someone sort of struggling, not really struggling, but well, symptoms and, and cough and short, bit of shortness of breath, it's probably been about a month. Okay. That's, that's the longest we've had. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are cleared. That, that sort of, oh, that, you know, that two-week period, mm. most of them are gone by then. We've had a couple linger on for a month, strictly on home isolation for 30-odd days. Yeah. 20-odd uh, days seems to be an average number. Where some of those people, I suppose, it depends how well they are beforehand. Yeah, because um, I'm thinking yeah, I'm not, thinking of this person in particular, you know, who has, is struggling now with kind of chronic fatigue, which is, I guess, maybe you guys would be happy to, um, you know, move on and and say that you got they're they're clear, sure. but they might still be struggling. Have you heard any kind of anecdotal sure. evidence of that sort of thing? No, no, that I haven't. The most is we, not that we keep in touch with. Once we've discharged, we don't keep in touch at all. Yeah, of course. Uh, the odd the odd ones we have, they've rung back and we've uh, they've been good. No, no long term. The few that we've heard of. Um, mm. strange, strange enough, I did hear one one gentleman who's things he developed an arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis post COVID. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. That, that was by him and his doctors sort of talking like that. But I'm, wow. That's interesting. I'm sure the real connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I did want to ask you about any strange symptoms. This Again, this gentleman in particular, and um, I've uh, read lots of things similar in Europe and the rest of the world, but this gentleman lost his um, sight very briefly. He had oh, heart okay. palpitations. Um, I think there was I think there was some vertigo, but he had a kind of a really wide range of strange and, um, you know, pretty terrifying symptoms. Um, you know, what kind of strange symptoms have you seen by the kind of anosmia and, um, and you know, general tiredness or cough? No, or... Yeah, no, we haven't seen very really strange ones at all. It has been pretty pretty straightforward symptoms. Okay. So we thought the smell and taste was strange when it first came out. <laughs> yes. We weren't associating that initially. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, nothing really strange. Okay. Uh, yeah, cough. The, the cough. I said the cough's probably the, the most common one we've got. That arthritis I just mentioned, probably the strangest thing I've heard. Yeah, and, and you, uh, you've, you, you've, you've touched on it already. The the mental uh, and emotional side. Because um, as soon as you said some, you know, a lot of people get anxious about it. I've been anxious about it, and I haven't caught it. So, and I've all, I, I keep kind of playing the idea through my head that if I would get it, I might make myself more sick by being worried about it. Um, sure, what sure. role do you guys play in that side of the the, the care for patients? Well, obviously, we, we talk to them every day, and if we we find it, we we pick up there's a bit of anxiety and things. That we 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 try to do our bit of counselling over the phone and, and reassure them. If we need to, we have connections to telephones through psychology people. If we need to. Uh, counseling lines if we need to uh, we we maybe do we might ring the person up a couple of times a day how they're going uh, as opposed to just a one time day and spend a bit more time talking to them uh, but yeah the connections we need to we haven't had to we've, we've actually there was one one in particular we, we've had to refer through the hospital that was a mental health type um, admission for a little while mm -hmm. uh, that's probably the worst one we've had the only one we've had yeah uh, yeah once we get the clearance through and, and they, we talk to them, mostly we could, we could sort of talk them through on the phone. Uh, the odd one, we've needed to go a little bit further with counselling. Yep. Saying that, strange enough, the ones we've had, a couple we've had recently have been younger people, as in young families. We got a, a lady who just, got a, a, when we first got, had a 10-day-old baby. Oh, wow. So that caused, yeah, that caused her anxiety immensely because she was isolating with the baby and, and the husband that couldn't help because he was isolating from her. He was negative, she was positive. Right. So then that, that opened up all the her anxiety and, and and feeling blue and things like that. So we, we utilised our service, which we've got child and family health involved. Mm. We've got counsellors and re, re child and maternity family issues. Yeah. And so I'm guessing then the, the baby tested positive as well or, or no? No, baby was negative. That's interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. 
Just yeah. like saying if it's not strange, so if we've had a few where we've had very strange ones, where we've, we've, we had one particular where one member was was positive. We went and did a swab, the whole family, very soon after his positive, and we, we only picked up, we picked up one extra positive out of, out of four or five family members. Five days later, Dad becomes positive. Whether he developed symptoms, he became positive out of it. So son, granddad, dad were positive, mm-hmm. but mother, daughter remained completely uh, negative the whole time through. Wow. Interesting. It's a, it's yeah, a very strange it, virus. It just, yeah, it is. Where some and they'll, they'll stay negative. Some people get it. Some people might get it very close. We've had a few that actually we picked up very close to their discharge time. So a, 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 a close contact who was negative to begin with kept for 14 days isolation on that day 12 swab, found they were positive. Wow. So 12 days later. Mm. So I'm wondering, and I ask this question to kind of everyone we've spoken to, but you know, how different or similar is this to your previous role? Oh, very, very different, very different. My my main role is is, is hospital. It keeps people home still. That's a connection. But mine is very acute, keeping people home. So I would see someone and put a cannula and start some IV antibiotics, treat them for a couple of days, and and and, and sort of see you later. Uh, but not in this regard is, is the whole I think the whole emotion the whole newness of, of the strangeness of, of COVID itself was unknown to all of us yeah you know you had you, we treat an infection a, a wound example infection for example we've got a course of time you know in, 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 in two weeks or so anybody should work then we can discharge this person but with these ones we're unsure still mm-hmm. uh, and I'm interested as well uh, how long did it take to get the new team off the ground there's a lot of a lot of teams around the nation having to really move quickly. Yeah, we moved. The initial one, we got it done within a couple of days. And I can't speak highly of the team that was working with me. We got a group of child and family health nurses who theoretically hadn't nursed an adult patient directly for a long time. They were child and family. And most of their patients were healthy child and family type kids, mothers. So we had to train them up very quickly as his phone calls, looking for assessing over the phone. We also had to train them up into the computer systems we had to use. It was, that first lot was <laughs> chaotic to begin with, that, that first wave, because everyone was learning new things. It was, and we're learning as we went on the go. We, um, we developed little plans within ourselves to try to get it going mm-hmm. um, and to try to help out. So, so there was stress on, on, on our team's behalf too in that beginning, because it was all new. They were learning computer systems. They were learning to talk to adults. They were learning to diagnose or not diagnose, assess symptoms that we that are very new to us. And we mm. didn't know the trajectory of this. Rules kept changing from public health as who was swabbed, who was all that. It's a whole gamut of things, and we sort of came together. The outcome came together as a very good team at the end. Yeah. Um, well, look. I mean, it it sounds like a, a re- well, it is a really important part of. of you know the fight against covid and the work you guys are doing at the minute because like i said I, at the minute the way things are going in australia most people are going to be home um with the virus so i get you play a big role in kind of um keeping them home and, and keeping them safe and keeping us all safe so thank you so much for talking to us and, and thanks very much for the work you're doing thank you for having me it's great yeah we're, we're enjoying it it's it's very fulfilling at the moment